0: Hi everyone, Anders Holmes with a quick announcement before the episode begins. Around the 7 minute to 9 minute mark, give or take, bit of a rough estimate, there is a little bit of an audio issue during the recording of the episode with me in Denmark and Adam over Zoom in America. The internet on my end uh, went a little bit south, and yeah, that's the only thing with the episode. So, without further ado, on with the episode. (laughs) Second, please. Hello, 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 and welcome to a new episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast. We are going to be doing top ten episodes at this point in, in our sort of podcast career. My name is Anders Holmes and I'm joined by my brother Adam over Zoom in America. Hello Isa. Hello, sir. Hi. Hi. Good day. God, got. <laughs> yeah, Tuck. Yeah. Hey Andy, uh, we're. What, what are we discussing today? Well, on this episode, we are going to be talking about our top ten favorite films from Denmark. We didn't quite get to the finals in the Euros, but we came close. We came very close. Yeah, nearly there. We we're, it, You know, it was heartbreaking, but we should also be proud. And anyway, yes. um, I think it's. I think we've been doing this podcast for so long. Um, and we're both Danish, and you live in Denmark, uh, but we don't—we haven't talked that much about Danish. We haven't talked about much about Danish cinema. No, we have not talked about. Well, we've recommended a few Danish films on the recommendation episodes, like *Ordet*, and I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, so we haven't done a very good job of waving the flag. So, um, yeah, so it's top tens. Um, it's uh, it's the top ten Danish movies. Uh, everyone is going to disagree with this list because the thing is about other people's list of their top ten favorite things is their bullshit. So our list is bullshit just like your list is bullshit. And um and I think people should reach out and get in touch and tell us that it's bullshit and tell us what their top ten should be because we did actually ask people on Twitter to send in their top ten data films and how many people actually did? Uh crickets, nothing. <laughs> none none you fucking idiots okay so next time (laughs) are you listening you fucking wankers next time we put a thing on twitter saying send us your top tens don't be like oh i like retweet no send us your top tens do as you're told we want to hear from you we are lonely podcasters yeah yeah it's hot today so that's why we're a bit uh angry I'm 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 always angry. Um but that's yeah. because I live in America. Um yeah, do you but, should we shall we start this list? Yeah, I do apologize if anyone is hearing an echo in my voice. The room I'm in is a little bit echoey, so I do apologize for that. So I well, am yeah. a fan of because it's yeah. it's really, really hot. So yeah, I apologize yeah. for that too. Yeah, it's um, hot here as well. I'm sweating like a character in a Tennessee Williams play. Interesting. Um okay, top ten. Okay, so uh should we start at the bottom and work our way up? I think that makes sense, doesn't it? Yes, it does. At number 10, we have Olsen Benton, Sea of What? Yay! Um, okay, so quick explaining note here uh, for those of you who are not Danish, basically, or um, are Danish and are young and actually in touch with relevant culture. Olsen Benton was a series of comedies, uh, a series of capers, um, slight sort of Ealing esque uh, Danish comedies made from the late 60s into the mid 80s. Uh, there are about three friends who try, um, usually unsuccessfully, but in hilarious ways, to get rich by uh, doing scams and, and heists and other sort of things. And um, um, they're a brilliant series of uh, 13 films. Uh, there was a 14th one that was made as a like, comeback in the late 90s, which is sad to, to, to bother with. Don't, don't bother with that one. And um, one of the actors had passed away during the filming of it, and they yeah. used a double to kind of... Uh, it yeah. was... Yeah, but that little departure aside, there are thirteen mostly very delightful films that um that always follow certain patterns and have you know a series of tropes and recurring cast members, um and um you know and a sort of and a sort of endless series of um of, of gags. I think that um I think that one of the great things about the olsen Banton films is just the satire that they present, you know, of Danish culture, of um, you know, of of kind of the class system, of that sort of endless quest for wealth and riches. They're, they're sort of subtly and slyly anti-capitalist. They were really popular in the in Eastern Europe. Didn't know so, that. <laughs> yeah, they were they were really popular in East Germany and Hungary and places like that. Um, but they are a sort of enduring piece of uh, Danish culture. And they were remade in Sweden and in Norway. Um, interestingly, the Norwegian footballer John Carew uh, is in the latest Norwegian version of Olsen Banton, which is uh, wonderful to think of. So it's a real it's a real um franchise. But all the Olsen Banton Sea, or the Allsen Seas Red, is I think the one we've picked out because um, It's the best one of, I think it's out of like the 13 films that they did, I think that's the one that's very high on my list of my favorite of their films. And also on a sort of filmmaking comedic standpoint, it's very well done. And there's just one sequence in the film, which takes place in the Theater, which is just comedy gold. And just the way it cuts together with the music and all the like sound design of what they're doing and trying to break into the theater to steal some money, it never fails to make me laugh. Like it's just so well done, and the way it's choreographed with the music, the the orchestral music, and what's happening, it's just such a great little moment, and it's so well done. Yeah, so just a, it's it's a high scene basically during a theatrical performance while they're playing the overture. Um, it's um, it manages to sort of take a sort of affectionate but um, uh, nevertheless, kind of pointed dig at sort of the cheesy side of like Danish culture, because they're watching like a sort of, um, you know, a really famous production. Um, that's like sort of quintessentially Danish, but yeah, they have to break into a theater and steal a briefcase. And they, there's an entirely wordless, uh, sequence where they do so, and um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's 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 Buster Keaton, it's Charlie Chaplin, it is just the essence of cinematic comedy, um, and um, it's it's bloody hilarious. So you know, I think that sequence alone raises the film, um, but it's also because it's the eighth film in the series. I think that they've really learned how to make good versions of these movies by that point, and. Um, and they're just—they're um, just really in their groove. So I think—I think if you start anywhere, start with this one. Um, I don't know how exactly you'd get hold of it if you're an English speaker, but I, I remember I got some DVDs um, of these films that come from uh, Hungary that actually have English uh, subtitles and Danish uh, dialogue. So you can—you can dig around. But uh, The awesome Banned Seas Red—a um, worthy—a worthy entrance, I think, in our—in our list. So at number nine it is a film from 1956, and it's a film called Kviitok. Tok, which is a film I, which is a film you have not seen but I have. Mm. Yeah. So, so tell me, tell me about it. So the film is it's set in Greenland. It's about a woman called Eva Newport, played by Astrid. I'm going to get her second name wrong. Villa. Willem, uh, Willem, Willem, I think. And she arrives in Greenland from Denmark to visit her fiance, who is a doctor called Erik Heltzer, played by Bjorn Vet Bulsen. And basically, it's just there to kind of surprise him and say, hey, here I am, and hopefully we can get married soon. And then she's shocked to realize that he has moved on from her and is now about to get married to his assistant. Uh, his assistant who is also a nurse at his practice in Greenland so she is basically just come all that way for nothing and uh she goes to a small fishing village a fishing village to get on the next ship back to Denmark and then she gets into a very uh very very conflicted uh, and often con- confrontational relationship with a man called Jens played by Paul Reichardt who is just this moody, angry Danish person who lives at this trading outpost. And then it just becomes a little bit of a romance. And also Krivitok is also part of Greenlandic mythology. And it's a spirit and the fisherman, there's there's this also the subplot of a Greenlander called Pavia who works with Jens who is trying not to be alienated by his fellow visitors, villagers and not upset the spirits of Kubitok. So there's a lot going on in the film. A bit of a romance, a bit of an, of an adventure film. And uh, filmed beautifully up in Greenland. I'm not quite sure how much of the landscapes has changed over the years, but it is it is beautiful. I've, I'd never heard of this until you brought it up. Interestingly, it's directed by the same guy who directed the Orson Band movies. Eric um, Belling, yeah. Eric Belling. <laughs> Yeah, Paul Eichhardt's a bit of a legend. um, Certainly for like our grandparents' generation, he was a very popular singer and a brilliant actor as well. Um, So um, yeah, that's I think that's that's a very good entry, and I think it's worth. I mean, people forget about Greenland when they think about Denmark. Um, You know, Denmark is a colonial, uh, is it was and is a colonial power, and um, Greenland is a really complicated and fascinating and often sad story um that um you know that that should be remembered it's it's um it's almost like a time capsule in some ways that there still is the situation where you have a european a small european power that has a colonial possession in north america where there are indigenous um people involved and indigenous culture and it's um you know, politically, it's a very interesting story as well, and when, especially when, like Donald Trump tries to buy it or whatever. Um, so um, you know, so I think, I think, I think it's good to have a, a film on the list that that features uh that features Greenland. Yes, and it was also nominated for an Oscar for best foreign language film. Well, now it won't be the last film on our list that that is true of. Um, so what's uh, what's that number uh, eight? At number eight is the film that basically started the whole Dogma 95 movement in uh, 1998, and that is Thomas Vinterberg's film The Celebration, or as it's known here in Denmark, called Festen, which um, is quite a tough film in a lot of ways. It's Uh, intense. It's not like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, let's just have a nice, easy Sunday afternoon romp. Like, no, this is a pretty much... uh, pretty much, uh, a, a, as intense a cinema experience as you can have, um, imagine the most, imagine the five most awkward and awful family gatherings you've ever been to, and combine them, and it's, and you'll have something approaching, uh, the celebration. Um, but yeah, again, it, 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 it is also poking not poking fun at, it's doing a more sort of pointed critique of Danish culture. It talks about how uh, closed minded Danes are, how repressed they can be. Um, there's a, you know, it touches on Danish racism, which is a serious uh, issue and, you know, remains, was a serious issue then and remains one now. Um, it, it also, it, it takes place in a format that I think because, you know, Danes live in, you know, very traditional, you know, they follow certain traditional practices, especially around uh, celebrations. Um, I think, it, you know, the fact that it follows those traditional patterns of what a celebration looks like with the speeches and so on. It was it would have been so uncomfortable to watch at the time because it's like, oh, gosh, that could be anyone's family, you know? Yeah, I think just because Dogma 95, those movies, they were filmed in a very particular way. They were basically just shot like this was, you know, in the late 90s. Anybody could get a hold of a camera and make any kind of movie. And a lot of them were shot on like these handy DS, not DSLRs, but like digital film cameras. And they had all these, you know, these rules and regulations that they had to follow by, like had to shoot on location. They couldn't, you know, put in, you know, if there was any music, it had to be from the scene. They couldn't use any. They could only use props that were at the location. Um, Actors had to wear their own costumes and yeah, all the lighting, exactly. had to be, the lighting had to be natural as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Like they couldn't, you know, it was just taking it back to a more sort of classical filmmaking approach and if you did break any of the rules and they did actually break some of the rules in the some of the future ones like the idiots and uh and there was also a few like american dogma films that followed the same sort of rules as well and um you had to say which rules you broke and stuff so it was like a code of conduct uh, in many ways and because yeah. of the and because of the way that it's filmed it feels extremely immersive you feel like you're in those locations and feeling the awkwardness of everything yeah. and i think that really works in its in it, in its advantage and you know there's a lot of great performances you've got great performances from Ulrich Thompson you have great performances from Thomas Paul Larsen, and also uh Paprika Steen who's a really great uh Danish actress and also um Trina Durham, for those of you who are familiar with her Alec Baldwin called her the best actress he he ever worked with well now that was on IMDb. I'm not quite sure what film they worked in, so yeah. But yeah, I think he actually... No, I think Ali Baldwin is not in this film. Just no, he's nuts. not in this film. He, they, um, the I, budget I would have been worth, very high. I think it's worth, yeah, I think it's worth pausing on the Dogma film because um, one person who doesn't feature on our list is um, is um, Lars von Trier, right? We don't have any films of his. No, no we don't have any films on on of his on the list no um and that's because a lot of his best films are made in english and one of the rules of this list is it has to be danish films um so um too bad but um it's although a lot of his a lot of his movies are filmed in denmark because he has a fear of fear of flying. right um he's quite odd um I think it's, he's very influential and I think it's, I think it's worth just pointing out that he was a big um, person, you know, mover and shaker in the development of the Dogma film, but it's worth also saying, Thomas, (coughs) Thomas Vindever is just an astonishing director and he, we will obviously be returning to his work uh, as we make our way through this list. Um, He absolutely just has a way with stories of ordinary people and a way of making those stories sort of transcend um, the ordinariness of their surroundings and really sort of tell truths about the human condition and when and you don't really know that you're getting a big lesson in um in in humanism when you watch this film but you you come away from them realizing that you've just had a huge um dose of of truth and it's 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 wonderful what he's capable of doing and um and as i say we'll we'll, we'll talk more about thomas vindebert but um you know this is his first major feature um, and um and, and it's a, it's a hell of a film. And, um, I think, you know, I, I, I would say it's, I've only seen it once, but I can't think of many other films that I've only seen once that I remember as clearly. Yeah. I've seen it quite a few times cause they showed it at film schools and they showed it at the European film college when I went there as well. And that watching that on the big screen, cause they have a big cinema there. That was quite an experience. And, um, it's a fantastic film. It's shocking. It's kind of it's very disturbing in a lot of ways, but it's it's very good and really worth checking out and readily available because it's quite, you know, internationally well known. Yeah, easy to find. So very very much worth watching. But don't um not a film for a first date and not a film if you're in a bit of a like vulnerable or like yeah, down. It's like <laughs> yeah, don't you don't want to watch a movie that triggers you and makes you just fall into like a moment of depression. If you want to, if you want to do that you can happily watch a lot of Lars von Trier's films because um a lot of them are a lot of his films really especially like uh uh antichrist and melancholia and melancholia and a few of those other films like nymphomaniac I, I really feel like he's i don't know like mark commode was talking about him on one of his episodes of the radio show and he was talking about how his films are very sort of provocative and I think they had Willem Dafoe, who has appeared in quite a few of his films on the radio show. And he was saying, I don't think he's being provocative. I think his films are him just kind of sorting out a lot of issues and stuff that's going on in his head and things like that. Yeah, well, I think, and I, I think that's obviously, yeah, that's very interesting um, to do. Um, what I think is great about Lindbergh's films is that there is, a obviously there's a personal angle to it, but I feel like he's he's doing something much larger and uh, I think Festen does that but um you know make your own minds up people um yes and uh, you might not enjoy it it's not for everyone but um I think it I think it's a worthy entrance on 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 our list. what's number 7 so at number 7 is the 1983 film directed by Billy August who is another famous Danish film director and I think this was his first film and it's the film called Zappa. And when I moved here to Denmark, I a lot of mutual friends who said to who told me if you want to watch a lot of Danish films, this is one of the films that you should watch. And I got it on DVD. I got it at the big DV at the big film stores Fauna, Fona before it got de- de- demolished by people who looked at who you know, subscribe to streaming services and don't really care about physical media, which is very sad. And um, this is a film that's... it Have you seen it? No, never. So it's set in 1961, and uh, like the Olsen-Benton films, they do deal a lot with the working class and class culture and things like that. Uh, Bjorn is a middle-class boy who... It's a, it's, a, it's a coming-of-age film. So it's about teenagers and... Uh, everything like that growing up in sort of like a working class environment. It's sort of away from the big city. And uh, he wants to be, you know, he, he's he's very much enamored, uh, very much in awe of this guy called Sting, who's this uh, very wealthy kid who's a bit of a bully. And um, he comes, his parents who are very wealthy, who are very sort of in their own world and aren't on a very sort of cold towards him. And I think that very much, the, the way that his parents treat him, he takes it out on other people and he becomes quite a violent and very intimidating person. And the other sort of person in this group is a character called Muller, who is a very cheerful and very childish, easygoing, working class kid, who is a very good friend of Bjorn. And he has like a pet bird called Gokka. And he's a very cute kid. He's like very like cheeky and fun. and you know, he's just very easygoing kid. And the sort of friendship between these kids during this summer and going into the year, this year that takes that the film takes place, their friendships and sort of, uh, you know, loyalties are very much tested. And um, it goes to sort of very sort of violent places where the relationships with these people are not going to be the same and um, it's a very sort of very famous uh, Danish film, and it's one of I think one of the sort of best sort of Danish coming of age films that I've seen. Wow, well, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, that sounds that sounds tremendous. Um, cool, um, but that I, I think you did a very accurate summation. I obviously can't add anything to that because I haven't seen it. Um, Have you seen any other Billy August films? Uh, let me have a quick look at well what else he's uh, I've only seen a few I've seen Smiller's Sense of Snow which was his which is an interesting film because it's set in Denmark but it has a lot of English and American actors in it and I think that's quite which is which is quite interesting I don't know sometimes that's it works and sometimes it doesn't it's just it's kind of funny um, I haven't I haven't seen any of his films the other one uh, of course that's very famous is Pella the Conqueror um, yeah with Max von Sydow, um, uh, which um, which has been on my list for a while, but yeah, uh, you know, no, I've not I have not seen it. Um, all right, so uh, shall we move on? Yes. So at number six is a film called uh, Harry or Camerachanning, uh, which was also uh, nominated for uh, best foreign language film as well, and was like basically Harry and the Man Servant, Harry and the Butler. Yes. Yeah. And it was uh, released, what year was it released in? It was released in 1961. And um, sorry, I'm just, uh, I I don't have it quite up at the moment. I'm just, uh, give me a moment, Uh, Harry and uh, Butler. It was a film that was given to us by, or given to me by our mutual friend, Ebe. And it's directed by Bent Kleschensen. And uh, yeah, it does translate to Harry and the Butler. And it's a very gentle film. It's not, you know, it's, you know, it's a very easygoing film. It's a film about friendship. It's also another film about class culture in a lot of ways. Um, The main character, Harry is played by an actor called Oswald uh, Helmuth. And he's a very sort of simple man who lives in a junkyard. And at the beginning of the film, he gets, uh, he gets, he inherits quite a bit of money. And um, basically, everyone's like, oh, you got a lot of money. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to, like, buy yourself a house and everything like that? No, I want to buy a butler. (laughs) And so he gets this very sort of upper-class man played by Elber Will, who is called a butler Fraglicious which is a little connection to us because our middle name, our mother's uh, family name is Fabletius. And basically it's like this very funny relationship between them. Cause at first they don't really know what to do with each other. And then it just becomes a really nice, easygoing relationship where they just sort of, Harry learns a little bit, bit from the butler and the butler learns a little bit from Harry and they sort of coexist with each other in this very sort of, you know, built up like this sort of crappy looking house that's in this middle of this junkyard so yeah it's a very easygoing film it's a very you know heartwarming film in a lot of ways and you know it's a very sort of nice little social comedy i love the sound of that um oh it's 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 added to my list um Okay, number five. Number five is the complete opposite of those <laughs> of <the> last <laughs> few films that we've watched and is the movie called Naravaten, which translates to the film Nightwatch, which stars uh, Game of Thrones actor Nikolai Valdo and Kim Bodnia. Kim Bodnia, sorry. And um, uh... I, ni- I nearly ran into Kim Bodnia on the street when he there was a premiere for a film at a cinema. I nearly like ran into him because I was like on my phone and I was like, oh shit, it's Kim Bodnia. And then yeah, it was quite funny. He's a very, um, he's quite an intimidating person when you see him in real life. Yeah, you people might recognise him from the show Killing Eve um, and yes. also The Bridge, which is great. Um, and also yeah, the Pusher push push films, think, if you're a fan sort of Nicholas Vindiglathen. Yeah, um, so this is directed by all of Bernard, Bornadale, um who's, who's a great director. Um, I think we should pause for a second and say, you know, we're talking here about Scandi Noir um, I think this is, we're safely in the Scandi Noir zone. Of course, there's so much Scandi Noir out there, but most of it is um, on, uh, most of it's television when it comes out of Denmark. Um, and, you know, I think it's I think it's moments to say, you know, there are some really, really great Danish crime shows. They obviously don't qualify because they're not films. Um, but um, one of the uh, actresses in this film that you'll recognize is Sophie Grobel from The Killing. Um, and, uh, you know, Kim Bodnia, of course, is in The Bridge, aforementioned. Um, and, um, you know, just, it's just that, for whatever reason, this incredibly happy and incredibly peaceful country has produced some really fucking dark and twisted crime shows. Uh, and also- really all, all and of twisted- all of Scandinavia has, like, made these really dark stories. like mean, in Sweden and in Norway as well. <laughs> And and yeah and, and this uh, yeah exactly and this and this is a dark and twisted movie uh, about a man who takes a job as a night watchman at a morgue. Um, it also features a chilling performance from a great comedian uh, Ulf Pico, um, and uh, who plays the policeman in this film. Um, it's 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 really really good, and it's um it's it's so it's sort of confidently done. It's obviously a sort of it has a sort of indie movie feel. Um, the soundtrack's great, um, uh, including the use of a great song by the band source um Letting um, fingers do the talking—is that what the song's called? Yeah, that one. Well, Letting let fingers, fingers do, do lo- the walking. Lou the walking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, weird title, but here we go. Um, yeah. and And uh, yeah, it's 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 both a great thriller and also a great like study of. Um, sort of cynicism and um, ennui and sort of like a kind of, um, I mean, it, it, it's almost like a coming, like we can talk about coming of age movies. This is almost like a person learning to be more humane by going through like a traumatic experience. Um, it, uh, it, and it also has, taking risks as well. Like Kim Bodnia, who's Nicolai Costapaldo's friend is like a guy who sort of pushes him out of his comfort zone right right but almost too far you know i think that or definitely too far i mean i think that there are some um that there's this sense that they're both these two people are completely kind of at at a loss at how to be in the world as normal adult humans and um and you know they're kind of both punished for that um but it's um yeah it's it's just it's just a very very uh classily done kind of thriller almost verging on horror at some points wouldn't you say yeah you could definitely class it as a thriller and as a horror and i think to compare it to another film i would sort of compare it to something like seven so if anyone's like a big fan of seven you could easily check this film out and um, funnily enough, Ola Bernadel remade this film. He directed and wrote the f- screenplay again, and he remade it in America. And I think it was produced by Steven Soderbergh, and he basically just remade the entire film again, but with a different cast. He had Ewan McGregor playing the Nikolai Costavaldo part, you had Patricia Arquette playing the Sophia Corbel character. Josh Brolin was playing... Um, Nick uh, uh, kimbodnia's character, and then you had Josh Brolin. Oh, sorry, no, uh, Nick Nolte playing the detective in the film, and oh, also and Brad, Brad Doris in this film. Yeah, Brad Dorf and John C. Riley as well. How interesting. Um, is it good? No, oh. it's oh, practic- wow. it's it's the same film. It just it's done in the same sort of way. Like scenes are done in the similar way, but it's just. You know, it's it's you know that you know. Yeah, have you ever seen that shot by shot film, that uh, that shot by shot remake that Gus Van Sant did of Psycho? No, I I don't know. It's no. a little bit like that. It's not. It doesn't have the effectiveness. It doesn't have that Danish Scandi noir charm that Nanovac has. Yeah, good name. Um, okay, uh, well I will avoid that. But I think I think we should underscore that nineteen the nineteen ninety four version of the Night Watch is a, a brilliant film. Yes. Um, this is it's it's again quite intense, but really worth your time. Um, and uh, should be pretty easy to get a hold of. Yeah. Right. So number four is another film that's very easy to get a hold of because it's also very internationally well known, is the film Babette's Feast, which is a this... film I haven't seen yet, but okay. very I've heard it's very good. It is. Um this did win an Oscar um for best foreign film. Um it is a Completely wonderful um, film based on a um, short novella, I guess all novellas are short, um, by um, uh, Karen Blixen, um obviously, who, who used the, the nom de plume of Isaac Dinesen. uh It's, developed, uh, it's d- directed by uh, Gabriel Axel, and um, it is about a, a pair of. Um, very religious and very sort of stoical older women living in a remote corner of um, of, of Denmark in the in the novel the, the novel set in Norway, um, who take in a, a French um, uh, refugee uh, as a as a housekeeper, played by the radiant Stéphane Audrin. Um, and um, and she decides after years of service to these two women to thank them by throwing a feast, and. Um, and that um and that's really the sort of the story of the film and obviously a lot of other um you know a lot of other elements uh, come into that around you know uh, lost um lost love and um and religion and puritanism and um it's a, it's just a really great like um depiction of 19th century Denmark 19th century rural Denmark um what I really think is great is that because the novella is the length it is the film is is it doesn't miss anything out so the, the narrative unfolds exactly as it does in the novella and doesn't miss any of the important beats uh, it's like when you're filming a novel I guess you have to do a lot more um, chopping and changing because you know otherwise it would be too long so um, so I th- and I, th- I think that sort of narrative fidelity to the to the novella is just so helpful and and um, and it, it is just a, it, it's it's it has a real kind of slow and beautiful poignant and just so deliberate pace um it's 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 just pure um it it's it's just so kind of um human again like it's it's sort of really kind of captures feeling and longing and conflict uh like inner conflict you know so so perfectly and it's also it's kind of a fairy tale uh in, in in a way and so it i think um you know we talk about scandi noir but like the other great kind of genre to come out of denmark is the fairy tale or is the sort of folk tale and um and this film just has that and it has that sort of Hans christian Andersen quality to it and um and it has such a good heart like the the the, the sort of the 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 way this film leaves you feeling is just so wonderful. Um, it, I wouldn't go as far as to call it a feel-good film, but it is a film that is incredibly sort of positive and optimistic about the human condition, uh, if that's not too pretentious. Um, and so I, I really, I, I can't recommend this one enough. Um, so it also came out the year I was born, uh, 1987. Um, so, um, so yeah, it's it's, it's 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 wonderful. It's As I say, it's easy to get hold of, Criterion Channel in the US, um and um and i think also on it says here HBO max um but you can rent it buy it i mean i think this is a film that you have to, yeah this is a film you have to have on DVD. It's, uh, it's 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 uh, absolutely should be in your library um just perfectly wonderful and um and uh yeah so i would i would hold it up as as one of the best uh movies and maybe it should even be higher on the list but anyway we uh, we, we what are the what are the films that are above it so at number three is a film that's slightly similar to it because it's also a period film and it sort of deals with a lot of some of the stuff that you just said and that is the film uh, Audet, directed by Carl Theodore Dreyer. Yeah, pronounced or in Danish. Aud- but yeah, most people know it as Audet, or so whatever. Yeah, we um, uh, we watched it. We know we we talked about it on the uh, one of our recommendation episodes last year. That's right. I think I was. Um, We had to have a Dreyer film on this list. Um, Other contenders, or what the other contender was Day of Wrath, which is really, really good as well. Um, Also, again, dealing with religion. The greatest Dreyer film is, of course, The Passion of Joan of Arc, but that is a French film, so it doesn't qualify. Um, If it were made in Denmark, I think it would be number one. Um, But in any case, is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. He was never really fully recognized as such in Denmark, uh, which meant that he made precious few we um, got funding to make *Precious Few* Danish films, which is a real shame um, because he's amazing. And *Oil* is um, another sort of religious fairy tale, uh, but much more like actually sort of Christian. Uh, it's also it's in that list of the films that the Vatican really likes. Um, and um, and yeah, it, is, it it is a kind of it it is absolutely about the grace of god and um and resurrection and uh faith and you know really explicitly deals with those things um but it's just beautifully made i mean it's it's and, and brilliantly acted um and it's so spare it's so austere it's so slow but in such a good way you know and, it, and it's kind of like it's like dry has just taken everything and just boiled it down to its essence you know um it's um it's 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 done with such amazing attention to detail. And because the details themselves are so few and far between, you really notice them. And um, I just, I, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this this film. Um, it's it's absolutely seminal. Uh, from 1950, um, I think. Um, let's see. Uh, so, um, you know, filmed in black and white. Um, oh, sorry, excuse me, it's 1955. Um, and um, you know, but it, 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 again, a film that could sort of have been made at any any time, I think, um, because it, the way he decides to make it, it, it it doesn't matter if it's 1920 or 1990. I think it could only be made in this way. Um, it, it it you you get such a sense of uh, of uh, consistency throughout the film, the the way the actors portray the characters, the way that Dreyer sort of uh, and his and his um, uh, his cinematographer, who's Henning Binsen, sort of depict um, this world uh, and, and the way it's edited, uh, Edith Schlussel says here, did the editing. Um, it's it's such a Gesamtkunstwerk, uh, to use a German word, you know, it is completely um, flawless. And um, I think the only, perhaps the off-putting thing to modernize is that this religious uh, side of it might be a little too pious or a little bit too unquestioning um you know uh but um but i think it's just it's such a great uh piece of filmmaking and um uh yeah it's uh, I can't can't say enough good things about it. And if you want more information you should go listen to our recommendation episode of it. Yeah I do like the way the movie opens and it reminds me a little bit of the it, of Onibaba with the trees and the and the reeds and stuff and the way that like I I just I really from a sound point of view I really like the way wind sounds in old movies I just like that stuff it always kind of makes me feel a bit like oh it's so nice I like that yeah yeah I, I I I I like that too I I I appreciate that point uh, this is a good wind movie um, yeah and and I think there is something kind of Japanese about this um, you know um and um so so yeah a uh, great great film so okay we're into the serious end of the list now yeah it? so we at number 2 is a film another film with Paul Ricott called Cafe paradis which is another film? film I haven't seen but it's been on my list for a while and it's generally considered one of the greatest Danish films ever made right Yes, and it is a film, another film that was also recommended to me when I moved here that I should watch it. And it, it was released in 19, 1950 and it uh, was directed by Buldil Ibsen and Lauritsen Jr. and uh, written by Johannes Allen. And it received a lot of uh, Buldil awards, which is basically the Danish Oscars here. And it like I mentioned, it stars Paul Rijkaard who plays a character called Carlo, who is a um, working class man and also he is in uh, an, I think the actor's name is Eep uh, Schoenberg, who plays the character Christian Bierke, who is a bit more of the upper class. And the film deals with alcoholism. Yay! Yay! So the Café Paradise is the name of this bodega slash bar which these characters venture to. and. Paul Reichardt is a raging alcoholic, and uh, the opening of the film starts in winter where the police have come across a man who has died in the cold from alcoholism. We don't know who it is, but it is revealed who it is by the end of the film. And we follow and we follow these two characters where uh, Carlo is a character who is trying to get back together with his wife and his son, but his alcoholism kind of gets in the way of that. Yves Schoenberg is a man who has it all, he's married. a a, a woman who uh very much is a you know deals with uh who loves you know class and be able to show that everything is all right and everything's all good a bit like um uh, what's her name? Mary Tyler Moore's character from Ordinary People. Like everything has to appear that everything's okay. Yeah, keeping up appearances. Keeping yeah, up yeah. appearances. That's what it is. Um, which is a TV show that people still show in Denmark, which is really quite. Yeah, funny. Danes love that show. They, they love, love it. Okay, but yeah. Um, but so, so Ibsen's uh, cr- uh, this character, Yves, uh, played by Yves Schoenberg, he has a fall from grace where he just, you know, I think he feels the pressure that he's felt from all sides. So. You know, both these characters kind of meet in the middle and uh, deal with alcoholism in their lives in very different ways. And sometimes they get one person gets better and one person gets worse. And it's a very, it's almost like this very sort of, um, you know, after school special about alcoholism and why it's really bad. And I think it was a very educational film for people at this time and it uh, is very well it was yves schoenberg it's one of his best performances and he did receive a best uh, supporting actor at the danish oscars the bull deal and um, his performance is pretty really good very tragic i mean both the performances are very tragic in in different kinds of ways and it's uh, it doesn't glamorize the, the the alcoholism in in any kind of way and i think it does show the sort of really depressing and dark sort of side of it and how bad things can get for people very quickly and I think it does it in a very compelling and very tragic kind of way which makes for a very sad watch but also quite a very important one as well yeah and I think it's I think the film um not that I've seen it but I, I know it by its reputation also is a, a kind of a a, a document about Danish class structure at this time. I mean, this is also made, um, you know, five years after the end of the war and the end of the German occupation, as as well. And so I think, you know, this is just a really interesting period of Danish history where there's a sort of cultural readjustment and uh, a move out of the, um, you know, a move into the modern era. And I think that. Um, I think that this, you know, this era where, you know, you have this sense that certain people get left behind or, or uh, you yeah. know, fall on hard times and, and get sort of sucked into this world of abuse is um uh, you know, it's, it's obviously, that's a tale as old as time, but I think that there's a specific relevance to this uh, period in Danish, uh, in modern Danish history um, and I'd, I'd probably also I, I would imagine a film about sort of masculinity to some degree, right? A little bit yeah, and also it's just, it also just people like this need help and often people kind of don't Give them the help that they really truly need like you know it's a lot of it is a call for help in in many ways and sometimes these two characters need all the support they get and it's very sad because christian is just as soon as he you know falls from grace with his work and his marriage he's just left on his own and he's basically got no one except for his other fellow alcoholics man um well um that's number two. So what yes. is what is number one? Yeah. So number one is another film about alcoholism, which was uh, one of the films that actually saved Danish cinemas during the pandemic, and that is the film, also directed by Thomas Vinterberg, and that is the Oscar-winning film Druk, aka *Another Round*. And yeah, I have to funny, say, just just to say, couldn't this is? I mean, it's about alcoholism. To some degree, it's also about uh, just drinking. Um, I think there is a distinction there. Um, But also, this is just a wonderful film about life, about middle age, and about Denmark. And I think the reason why we picked it as number one is because I think if you were just saying, if you were teaching a course on like Danish society, Danish identity, whatever it means to be Danish, I feel like this really captures it more than anything else. There's there's this, it captures that Danish kind of, sense of irresponsibility of like just saying fuck it and let's have a, let's drink a bunch and dance around um a, a, a sense of like that the way that danes can be kind of hidebound bound by um social expectations and traditions as well and um you know it it, it plays with all of these things and where vindeberg the film we just talked about Feston is sort of dark and introspective and sort of um presents a kind of sad view of danish society ultimately this film leaves you feeling wonderful uh yeah, despite a, the fact it, that it goes it, to some really dark places yeah it does go to very dark and sad places but it is a very i think when it came out it came out in september last year and it was also the first time i had gone back to the cinemas they had just opened up and um, with restrictions and everything like that. And I went to go see it with our mother and a few friends. And it was also a film I'm, our mum was not a huge fan of because I don't think she said, I never watched the trailer for the film. And apparently the trailer didn't sell, in her opinion, didn't sell the film that well. So she was very sort of not interested with seeing the film, but... Um, she, we both ended up loving it and we were both, like, crying in the cinema at some moments in the movie, especially oh, yeah. just, just at one point during the end, she kind of, like, grabbed my arm and started, like, crying a little bit and... and <laughs> well, so, yeah. I mean, know. famously, famously uh, both, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, movie criers in our family. Um, yeah. The, uh, no, but it, I, absolutely, it, this is one of those, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll feel all the emotions yeah. in between. It is, it is it, a, yeah. it's, it's an amazing, uh, 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 emotional ride. Um, I think it's... a we, we, we I feel like you could do a top 10 uh, list of Danish films that had even more Thomas Linderberg films in it. And I would say, like, an honourable mention should go to The Hunt from 2012. Um, which, which is, is also, also a great movie. Really fucking great film and has a great performance from Max Mikkelsen, who is the lead actor in this film and who I think has emerged as perhaps the greatest... Certainly, internationally, I think the greatest Danish film star of all time. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's hard to think of someone who's had more of a kind of popular breakthrough than he has, and he's a kind of cult hero. Um, he's um, but just and sort of despite being very famous for Hannibal and for other things, he still you know comes back to Denmark and does a film like this, and and in his persona remains just wonderfully Danish, uh, to the point where I think he was being interviewed on um zoom uh, during the pandemic about this film and he was just sitting there like smoking a cigarette uh, you know <laughs> honestly, and, 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 and just being uh, wonderfully sort of danish about the whole thing and and i think that uh, that um that it's a, it, it's a huge credit to the the sort of industry of danish acting that you get someone who's as famous as mass miggles and, and you stick him in a film with actors who are less well known and um and yet he doesn't emerge as you know he doesn't stand out from the crowd in a really obvious way. of course he's the main character and he's the protagonist and we're drawn to him but it's not Max Mikkelsen and friends it really is an ensemble and he feels yeah. part of that ensemble and I think that there's this sort of natural humility in uh, in Danish culture that kind of helps with that and so um so yeah I think the the again it's sort of just even in just the way the, the way the film is made, it's. Um, it really sort of goes back to certain kind of Danish values for one yeah. better word. I also, I just love the way that it presents Danish youth as well. And it shows, um, an increasingly diverse Denmark, you know, there, are, there are, um, you know, the, it's all set around a school and you notice that there are, you know, kids from different ethnical backgrounds, uh, ethnic backgrounds, sorry, in there, which is, you know, an important thing to recognize that Danish is, Denmark is an increasing, especially in like urban areas is an increasingly diverse country. And we yes. should embrace that. And, um, you know, and it just—I just think it—it—it it, it has this. It, it, I think, it paints a portrait of the country that is—is is, you know, warts and all. But ultimately, you come up and you say, "Yeah, this is this is great, and I, I like this. I'm on board." Yeah, um, and it's also—I think, like you said, it is a celebration of life, and I think it's a celebration of, you know, fuck it, let's have a drink, kind of thing. It's like, what's what's there to do? Like, we can't be sad. And I think it was a great film to come out at that point last year during the pandemic as a way of celebrating of life and being able to pick yourself up and start anew and kind of just celebrate, like, we're all here, we're still going, let's have a drink and just be happy that we're all with each other and we're all good. And it's such a, like, heartwarming, and, you know, I just came out, and I just came out with the biggest smile on my face. And I think just from a sort of creative and technical point of view, it is a very well-edited and paced film. But also one of the things I like with Vinterberg's films is that he's really good at capturing expressions in people's faces and I think Max Migelson does have a very good face he can really do a lot just by being silent and he's able to portray any kind of emotion just with his eyes and you know just with the way that he's just he's just sitting in a room or just watching something and he does that very we see that in The Hunts and we've seen that in a lot of other films as well and he's just and I think Vinterberg is really good at capturing people you know at performances and I think you know and that comes across very well in the editing and I think my friend's a friend of mine, who I went to film school with, her mother actually co—I think—edited this movie and a few of his other films as well. Oh, interesting! Yeah, and I mean, she, and, she um... and she's an editor herself, and she goes to the film school and she's on the editing course. And she's great; she's a really, really good editor. Yeah, it's. Um... The, the, the performance of Nicholson, especially, I mean, it's it's completely outstanding. He is he's an incredible actor, and it's a shame that he does so many superhero films because I feel like he should be used <laughs> in more serious <laughs> yeah. ways. But it's also interesting that you know when he does come back to Denmark to do a film, he chooses this project and he chooses Vinterbier, and I think like thank goodness he did. And um, I mean, this film, I think, as uh, over time, I think will really stand. Alongside, you know, cafe parties and all, well, and you know, these great kind of behemoths yeah. of Danish film history. I'm so glad that he got um, the best uh, foreign film. Yeah. I think, I think absolutely, this was the best film yeah. to come out last year. I think it would have been fine to give it best picture. Um, I, um, you know, or, and I or, feel like or, I, or, or best director. But I'm very happy it went to close. Right. Zhao, yeah, No-Met sure. Land. And uh, and 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 I. But I think this this is. I, I think this is, I think this is the best film of 2020. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a, just a, an incredible film to, to, um to, to watch now, as you say, uh, in the aftermath of the pandemic. And uh, yeah, as I say, if, you, if you're curious about what Denmark's like, watch yeah. this movie, you get a pretty yeah. good idea. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of moments when I was watching the film and a lot of the, a lot of the drinking culture, I was like, yep. Done that, been there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> like, I oh, I've 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 fallen over drunk many times before, especially even on a bike. That's happened. Oh yeah, it happened to me a couple and of times. That's happened to me. And um I think it's also worth noting there is there is a very tragic backstory to this movie, but also you know, there I think there's a, there was a happy ending to it as well with the way with the book, you know, and because Thomas Winterberg's daughter died during the making of the film. Yeah and she was originally going to star in the film as Mass Mikkelsen's character's daughter, and the movie became a tribute to her, and they actually filmed in her school. Like, that was the school, and a lot of her friends were in the film, so it's a really, you know, it's a tribute to her, and I think it's a really nice film in that sort of regard, and I loved the way that he talked about her during his speech, and you could really tell how emotional he was. I I think he did very well, and it was nice that there wasn't an orchestra to call him off the stage given the way that the oscars were a little bit different this year and you know and that's i think that's really great and i look forward to seeing what else he has planned yeah no i think i think you're right to point that out because i think the he's also said in interviews that that tragedy um it was a car accident that took her life unfortunately that that tragedy made the them determined to make this a life-affirming film and if you are in any doubt that life and a celebration of life is at the heart of the storm just watch the final scene and you'll be in no and you'll be left in no doubt so um so yeah that is that's our list that's our list well um you know we'll be we'll be back soon with another top 10 won't we yeah 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 should we say what the top 10 is going to be i don't what do we know well we could i i, should we I, pick I one? yeah let's pick one yeah yeah uh, okay, uh, well, we're going to do in our next one uh, train films. Choo choo! Yeah. Yes, so we're going to do top 10 films on trains. And so this time, when we tweet, actually send us your <laughs> top 10 films about trains or trains, yes. notable train sequences. Don't let us down, people. Yeah, it can't just be a film that has one scene on a train and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's, we can't do uh like Strangers on the Train doesn't qualify. Um but oh, I'll, have uh, to take, I'll have to take that off the list. <laughs> Cause that was one oh, of the we ones that. We can discuss this. Anyway, let's not we don't need to show them how the sausage is made. But people, send us your train movies, please. Um I uh I think that's I think that's it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh yes 10, well, let's just quickly run through the top ten Danish films again. Yes, so at what? number ten it was uh Olsen Baton Sir What, uh, the Olsen Gang C Red. Uh, number nine was Kubitok, number eight was Festen, the celebration, number seven, Zappa, number six, Harry or Kamachen, Harry and the Butler, number five, Nadavaken, Night Watch, number four, Bebet's Feast, number three, Oil, number two, Cafe Paradis. and number one, Druk. Another round. Uh, and we'll be back for another round next time. Yes, top ten train films. Send us your uh, favorite films set on a train. Yeah. Anyway, go out there, enjoy, enjoy, uh, enjoy Denmark, enjoy Danishness, and yes. enjoy uh, your the rest of your day. Um, yes. Can we leave now? Because I'm just talking shit. <laughs> well, enjoy the uh, the ongoing craziness that is the American. I mean, do not leave it on that for fuck's sake. <laughs> okay. Top ten Danish films. Denmark. Life. yes drink a beer drink Yay. go to the beach have a f- ice cream and stuff go to noma yes <laughs> go, on, have... go, to, go go and look at the little Mermaid. yeah, yeah, yeah. go go you know go up the round go up ta- Lego <laughs> go up the round tower yeah neat well, okay um, <laughs> right, let's get out of here yes final attack attack oh go summer yeah bye also get vaccinated <laughs> Oh, fuck off, Anderson. (laughs)